right, I wanna welcome all of our campuses. I wanna welcome you guys to week three of our series entitled, Why God, A Study and the Book of Habakkuk. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Man, Baton Rouge to Biloxi and Atlanta. Man, we're so excited to have you guys. So we are in a four-part study. We're looking at an Old Testament prophet. Now, some of you may have not heard of this prophet before, but he'd be considered a minor prophet in the Old Testament. And it's interesting, this book captures a conversation that Habakkuk had with God. And let me say this, it was written about 2,700 years ago, about 600 years before Christ. In a lot of books in the Old Testament, watch this, as prophets, they are speaking on behalf of God. In other words, it's God's message to the prophet, to the people. This one's a little bit different. This is a message where Habakkuk is actually talking to God on behalf of the people. In other words, he is pouring out his heart to God. I love the transparency of this prophet. He's asking some questions. Why? God, why is this happening? Why are things happening in our culture? God, why, why, why? If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. And we're going to look today at another moment in his life when he is dialoguing with God. There's complaints. And this book, I hope you guys have been following along with me. By the way, in this book, I want to encourage you each week and whenever I'm teaching through a book of the Bible to read ahead. Now, I'm not going to ask for a quiz today, but I trust everyone has read Habakkuk chapter 3. But what's so powerful about this particular book is there's a shift in chapter 3. There's a little bit of a shift in the sense that he's been crying out to God. Oh, God. Matter of fact, they complain. Then God answers. Last week, he cried out to God and complained to God, and God answered. There's a little bit of a shift today. Habakkuk chapter 3, things begin to brighten up a little bit. It's interesting. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to jump right into it. Here's what it says. Remember this. The name Habakkuk, it actually means one who wrestles with God. One who wrestles with God. With God. I want to say this again to all of our campuses. It's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to have questions. It's okay, watch this, to bring those questions to God. God's not going through a hard day. He's not going through a tough season. God can handle our questions. How many of y'all are grateful that God can handle it? Come on. How many of y'all are grateful that God can handle it? I said this last week when you go to Christmas time. I remember we'd go to Christmas times and my parents would say, don't share with this particular relative because they're going through a hard time. I'm so grateful that we can share whatever's going on in our heart. In other words, we can take the heavies in our life and put them on God because he can handle it. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 1, a very, very interesting verse. I'm going to dive right in. Super fired up about this message today. Today I want to talk to you about a message entitled, Revive Us, O God. Revive Us, O God. Verse 1, Habakkuk chapter 3. All right, jumping right in. The scripture says, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on this very interesting word. And I'm going to just say it. It's actually kind of shiganoth. Even though Habakkuk had been wrestling, he comes to this moment in prayer. And perhaps this word actually means a song. A song with passion. A song with strong emotion. Watch this. This moment in this message 
there's a shift. Habakkuk shifts from, watch this, from a complaint to a song. Now, why is that important? Something's happening in Habakkuk's heart. Look at verse 2. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of your years. O God, God, I know you've heard my cry. Lord, I know you've heard my complaint. God, I'm asking you to do something. Lord, I know that you can do this. Lord, I know, I know you've done it before. Oh God, revive. What a powerful word. Everybody say revive. He says, oh Lord, revive. Now, interesting right here. He says, oh Lord, I've heard your speech and was afraid. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of your years. In the midst of your years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Think about it. Habakkuk knows that the Babylonians are coming. He knows the situation is not going to get better for a little while. And he knows the consequences of the sin of the nation of Israel are coming. Yet, he chooses to pray to God for God to show up and have mercy in the time of wrath. These opening words set the tone for the entire chapter and really the rest of the book. Habakkuk is saying, God, I know that you're big. I know that you're powerful. I know that you're awesome. But in the face of pain, in the face of disappointment, God, in the face of human pain, watch this, in the face of cultural pain, oh God, remember us and revive us right in the midst of it. The thing that I love about God is that God can see right through our pain. He can see through our disappointment. He can see through the hard times that we're going through. And Habakkuk captures this prayer. This is a powerful prayer. And here's what he says. Oh God, revive us. Watch this. Oh God, show us mercy in the midst of all of these negative things that are happening around us. You may be in a situation right now in the midst of a house, in the midst of a family relationship, where there's a lot of pain going on. Right, oh God, right in the midst of that, revive me, oh God. You may be working for somebody right now. There may be, all hell may be breaking out at your work. Oh God, in the midst of all the pain around me, oh God, revive my heart, oh God. What I, what I love about God is that God can step through, watch this, he can step right through all of the junk, all of the clutter, all of the pain, and he can revive the heart that cries out to God. Revive me, O oh God, in the midst of all of this pain. Habakkuk is praying what I would call a prayer of revival. The word revive is the actual Hebrew word hayah, and it means to give life, to repeat, or to restore to life. I think Habakkuk knows something that we need to remember, that God is in the business of reviving his people. I want to say that again, that God is in the business of reviving his people. All throughout the Bible, you see an interesting thing. You see, watch this, people walking with God. You'll see pain entering in. You'll see a following declension take place. You'll see people come to a bottom place, a place of brokenness. They cry out to God and God comes in power and God revives their heart and restores them again. 
You've seen it maybe even in your own life. I remember when I was in college, towards the end of my college years, I got saved my freshman year. My sophomore year went through a pretty tough time in our family, our junior year as well, and walking with Christ and feeling the call of God in my heart. But I'll be honest, I just felt like my heart got dry. My, my heart got, a, got to a place where there was some things, of, some things around me in my circumstances that, that kind of got on the inside, and I felt like my heart got a little dry. And I remember after Christmas, my senior year, I remember listening to tapes on revival and, and listening to cassettes. Come on, how many of y'all remember cassettes? Can I have a big amen in the house of God? Hey, listen, listen. If you don't know what a cassette is, it's because of your age. Amen? <clears throat> I didn't say eight tracks. That's another generation. <laughs> and I remember getting these, these cassettes, and I, and I remember listening to them. And I remember crying that and crying out to God, God, revive my heart. God, do something in my heart, God. I remember what it was like, God, two, three years ago when I gave my heart to Christ. And I remember what it, the joy, and I, I just wanted to talk to anybody about Jesus. Any, anybody that would just stop my freshman year at Tulane and just, just stop long enough, I, I wanted to share Christ with them. I, I remember I couldn't get up couldn't wait to get up in the morning and read my Bible and, and pray and cry out to God and, 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 just, and, just, and just the overflow of the presence of God. But my sophomore year, my junior year, there were some things that began to whittle away at some of that passion. Oh, I didn't lose my salvation. No, I was a Christian. But I lost some of that fire. Habakkuk saw the culture around him and he said, God, right in the midst of all the pain, revive us, O oh God. Habakkuk understands pressure and pain. He's crying out for God to revive him. He's crying out for God to revive the nation of Israel. So what is revival? I want to take just a couple moments for all of our campuses. and Maybe you've heard that term before. Maybe you're new to Christianity and you thought, man, what, what is revival? And, and there's a lot, of, a lot of thoughts about it. Re revival, revival is a renewed interest after a period of decline, it's a, after a period of indifference, to revive means to bring back to life. It means to be refreshed again. It means to wake up. It means to wake up and to, to be refreshed, to be renewed in your walk with God, to be revived. You ever call somebody on the phone or maybe if you've ever been called and, on a phone call and you're sound asleep and somebody calls you and, and you wake up and, and you say, watch this, and you say, no, no, no. I, I, no. And they say, oh man, I'm so sorry for calling and waking you up. And you say, no, no, that's okay, I was up already. No, no, that phone call woke you up. And when God comes in power and he begins to visit your life, let me tell you something, he comes for a, a reason because he loves us, watch this, to revive us. To wake us up, where we used to have that intimacy with God, that passion that burned in our hearts with God. It's a returning. It's a, it's, 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 it's a returning back to that place of intimacy with God. This fall, I'm going to teach you about, through the book of Revelation, one of the things that God told one of the churches. He talked about return to your first love. There's a returning to that passion. 
Return back to that place of when you get up in the morning and read your Bible and you were hungry for God and, and you cried out to God and shared Christ, not because you were paid to do it, not because you had to do it, but because you wanted to do it. Because your heart was burning with a passion for God. I remember one time I was turkey hunting and I was with a friend and man, we were, <clears throat> if, if you've ever been turkey hunting, what you do is you you wait and you make a call and you wait for the sound of the, the gobbler and you, and you go after them. And, and I was in the woods and we had hunted a place, we had not hunted this place before. And, and, and it's interesting, I, we, we were going and going and man, we're just, the, the sound was moving and we were going and going. And I, and I realized after about an hour, I turned around and said, hey man, I said, you know where you are? We're in this mass of thousands of acres of property. And I said, man, you, you know where we are? He goes, man, I was wondering the same thing about you. Do you know? I said, man, I am absolutely lost where we are. I have no idea. The problem was the turkey wasn't gobbling anymore. We're lost. He didn't know where we were supposed to go. I didn't know. And all I knew was this. All I knew was this. I do remember, I want everybody to listen at every campus. I do remember where we came from. I'm not sure where we are, but I do know there's a tree back there about 300 yards. You see that? We kind of came from that direction. And if we, can just, if we can just go back to where we started, we'll get back to the right place. Sometimes we make Christianity so complicated, haven't we? Sometimes there's things that are so, we've added things, there's complications, and, 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 and I appreciate leadership, I appreciate all those things, I appreciate church meetings, I appreciate all that stuff, but, but I'm telling you, sometimes it's getting back to that place that, that we read our Bible, and we pray, and we cry out for more of God. Habakkuk said, revive us. Everybody say, revive us. What was he saying? Oh God, bring us back to that place of intimacy with you. Habakkuk is crying out to God, and God responds. What does it mean to experience revival? A renewed interest, a returning, a refreshing in your heart, a rekindling of your love for God. Let me just tell you what revival's not. Revival's not necessarily a series of extended meetings. And I love Billy Graham, you know, like Billy Graham meetings, he had for a six, six those are evangelistic meetings. Amazing. I've been to them. Amazing. And I want to just make one other clarification. God revives his church, but he awakens the culture. Revival is for the church. It's for the saints of God. Those that have walked with God and they've lost that first love. Everybody say revival. We're, we're praying for that. I'm praying for that. Oh, Lord, revive my heart. By the way, I'll say this. I believe there's Christians all over America. I believe there's Christians all over the world that have lost some of their first love due to some of the shutdown that happened in COVID. They got disconnected from God, disconnected from believers, disconnected from routine of spending time with God because of all the things. I'm going to tell you, and God's saying, listen, I want to revive your heart again. And let me tell you what happens when a church gets revived. Oh, guess what? I mean, then God starts awakening a culture. Because the last thing God wants to do is bring unbelievers, get them born again, and bring them into a dead church. No, he wants to bring unbelievers to get saved in an, in an alive church. Church that's on fire, walking with God. While the specific word revival is not used in Scripture, revive is all throughout it. Psalms 119, 107. I'm afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Revive me. Revive me. I love the concept. I preach on this so many times. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin. Then I will heal the land. God starts with his church. God starts with us. Revival begins right here. Oh God, revive me. I don't care if I've walked with Jesus 34 years. Lord, revive my heart, oh God. Revive my heart, oh God. The reality is, is that God has poured out his spirit. I'm speaking now to United States of America, Americans, American Christians. If you look back, God has poured out his spirit on our nation many times. First great awakening, God's poured out his spirit. In New England, the, the church was on fire. They'd gotten cold. They'd allowed the world to come into the church. Worldly practices, worldly ways. They'd lost their fire from God. It'd become a social club. Jonathan Edwards, there was great men of God, began to cry out to God. God poured out his spirit. First great awakening shook the United States. Fire in churches. Holy Spirit, people getting saved, born again. Next thing you know, the hearts get on fire, then they get cold again, and then there's a crying out for God, turn of the century, second great awakening. And we see this throughout scripture. We see it throughout history. We see people get, and let me just tell you, I don't believe it's like a precursor. Well, we're on fire, we're gonna have to backslide. No, how about we stay on fire for God? How about we stay hot for God? We stay hot for God. Now, let me tell you something. we got to keep throwing the kindling on the fire. Isn't that right? Yeah. Matter of fact, the last, what I would say, in my opinion, the last real revival we've experienced is the Jesus movement. Late 60s, early 70s. Some of you came to Christ back then. And uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out on a bunch of teenagers in California. Chuck Smith with Calvary Chapel. There were thousands of young people getting saved. And the Jesus movement, the Holy Spirit swept America. Let me tell you, I want every campus here. I'm believing for a Holy Spirit sweeping, not only of young people, but all ages in our nation again. How many of y'all believe in for an outpouring of God's Spirit? Let it happen. Everybody say, do it again, Lord. Yeah, do it again, Lord. We're asking, we're believing. We're believing for that. I'm believing for that. As your pastor, I'm believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our church. I'm believing in our community, wherever our campus is. I'm believing for the church, the big C church, the global church, the church in America. Lord, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. I'm wondering. I'm wondering of all the pain the last two years. I'm wondering if it's a setup for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Number one, we're... Habakkuk would say to us today, remember what God did yesterday. If you want to position yourself for an outpouring of the Spirit, remember what God did yesterday. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light, and he had rays flashing from his hand, and, and there his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence, fever followed at his feet, and before him went past with fever fall. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations. And the everlasting mountains were scattered and perpetual hills bowed. His ways are from everlasting. Pastor Steve, I want to position my heart to be revived again. How do I do it? Number one, the very first thing Habakkuk would say to us is we've got this. We've got to remember what God did in the past. What gives us faith for the present is God moved in the past. What gives us faith for the present is that God did it before, God will do it again. God healed me before, God will do it again. God touched my marriage before, God will do it again. God, God saved one of my prodigals. God, God, God touched his life, God will do it again. God, you've poured out your spirit in America many times. Oh God, 
Do it again. Shake our nation again, oh God. Lord, you poured out your spirit, oh God, in our high school. Oh Lord, do it again. Do it again, oh God. Lord, you've swept college campuses in America. Lord, we've read about it in history, in revival, in renewal. Oh God, you did it once. Do it again, oh God. Do it in our hearts, oh God. Do it in our hearts, oh God. Habakkuk said we've got to be reminded of what God has done, the greatness of God. The greatness of God through something happens when we remember what God has done. That was the whole Joshua chapter 4 point. When the children of Israel came, they came out of, listen, they came out of the wilderness into the promised land. You guys remember that? I told a whole message called the Stones of Remembrance. What did he do? Uh, Joshua led the children of Israel. Watch this. The water, don't miss this. The water literally, it it literally was pushed up like this. The the children of Israel walked across into the promised land. And here's what God said, Joshua chapter 4. He says, when you guys get to the middle, take some stones and you get those stones and you put them on the mantle in your house. Why? Because when, when, when you get older, you can point to those stones and you tell your kids, tell your kids what God did. Tell your kids. You know what I tell my kids all the time? I'll say, let me tell you something. When I was a freshman in college, I was so messed up. I had to, but Jesus got a hold of my life. He shook my life. God saved my life, and God can save your life. God shook my life. God did it to me. God will do it to you. Do you talk about what God has done in the past? You should. Habakkuk said, listen, when you remember the power of remembering what God has done in the past. Remember that time when your back was up against the wall in business? And you're about to lose that. Let me tell you, remember that time when you couldn't pay your bills? Remember that time? But you're here now. You're here because God visited you. God did it before. God will do it again. God did it before. God will do it again. Just like Joshua 4, God did it before. Look at verse 6. To serve as a sign among you. This is Joshua chapter 4. In the future when your children ask you. My kids are now asking me, Dad, what happened? I've been telling my son, who's been with me all summer, he's in college, he's about to graduate. I said, let me tell you what happened in this situation. Let me tell you a miracle about what happened in this situation. He goes, Dad, when the church was young 20 years ago, he goes, Dad, what what music did y'all listen to? And 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 I put on today, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my pain. Come on, are y'all with me or not? Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Y'all remember that? Come on, Daryl Evans. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Tell your kids what God did in your life. Tell your kids when you got born again. Tell your family why. Because when you remember it, it puts faith in your heart. To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you what these stones mean. Tell them that the flow of Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be memorial to the people of Israel forever. All right, number one, everybody say remember. Pastor Steve, I want, I want my heart revived. Go back, go back, remember what it was like when you got born again. The freshness of the presence of God. The freshness of what it meant to be Born again, when you no longer were chained in that sin, go back. Go back and remember what it was like. Go back and remember. Number two, the second thing, if you want to position yourself to be revived in God, the second thing is to rehearse. It's one thing to remember. It's another thing to rehearse it, to talk about it. Now I'm talking about remembering. Memory is in your mental realm. 
But to rehearse is to talk about it. Talk about it constantly. To repeat or to say again. To recite aloud. To rehearse. When we've lost our passion. You know, I had a guy tell me one time. He said, he goes, Steve, can I just tell you something? He goes, man, I was part of the church in the early years. And the Church of the King, church of the King will be 23 years old this, this fall. I look younger. Come on. Can I have a big amen? Y'all not convinced of that. That's all right. And he goes, Steve, you're telling the same stories of what God did years ago. I said, because how do you improve on them? I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. In other words, can I tell you, you, you guys know why I tell you that, that my testimony all the time? Two reasons. Number one, I tell you for you, but I tell you for me. Everybody say rehearse. So we, we have Christmas and Easter things that we do here at Church of the King, and, and they have rehearsals. And the point of having a rehearsal is, is that when you do it, watch this, the more you do a rehearsal, the more you remember the lines. The more you say them out loud, the more it gets deep on the inside of you. You know what happens when you go through a, listen, you know what happens when you go through a cold time and a time of, a time of pain and, you, and your heart can get hardened by pain and then you kind of come out on the other side, maybe some disappointment. I'm gonna tell you, you go back and think about the people that got born again when you got born again. Where are they today? Are they serving God? Where are they? Let me tell you, if you go back and trace it, I'm telling you, it started, their declension started with a disappointment that wasn't handled properly. You go back, you think about those people. I, I can think about them today. They got hurt. Listen, that's life. They got hurt. They got disappointed. Something got on the inside of them. They got disillusioned. Something happened in a family member. Something happened in their life. And I'm going to tell you something. And they made a decision right there. Watch this. To not move on, but rather, listen, just to stop right there. And the way to get the dirt out of the well is you start talking about what God did before that moment. In other words, you stopped right there. There were no more moments. If there's no more moments other than that well being filled up with mud, you got to go back. The way to get it out is to go before that and talk about what God did. I talk about the miracles of God. Habakkuk's talking about, guys, listen, revive our hearts of God. The way God revives us is we declare with our mouth. The Bible says, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by what? Everybody say it. Hearing. And hearing by what? When you declare what God's done in your life, when you say it, you believe yourself more than you believe me. That's why you got to declare what God's done. Declare the word. Declare what God has done in your life. You know, people have asked me all the time, Pastor Steve, how do you like prepare for a message? By the way, I write down every word of a message. Underline, let me tell you, I do the same thing every week. The same thing. My message is done. Watch this. My wedges is done on Thursday afternoon. Friday morning, I get up. I underline my message. I want everybody to see this. I, I, here's my message. Same thing. It's seven pages. I used to do eight pages, and, and it took a little bit too long. So it's seven pages. It's 33 to 35 minutes. I do the same thing everywhere. So I underline it. Watch this. Friday morning, Friday night, I go through it again, and now I start to say it out loud. Sunday, uh, Saturday morning, I wake up, watch this, Saturday morning, I'm, I'm looking at it again. Now I'm saying it out loud again. I do it the first thing I wake up in the morning, and then, watch this, I go work out. 
Then I come back and I pray. I do the same thing every single Saturday. Then I'll read my Bible some. I go eat lunch every single Saturday with my dad. Every single Saturday. Then I come back afterwards and then I read my message again and I say it out loud. And then you and I do from 2 to 3.30. I watch the golf station and I watch Mojo Duck Hunting and I go back and forth. I literally do the same thing on the hunting channel. I go to 605 on direct TV and channel four and I watch golf and I go back and forth. Why do you do that? Because it increases the anointing. Come on, can I have? Did God not say rise, kill and eat? Come on, can I have a witness in God's house? All right, here we go. Hey, listen, I do the same thing. At 3.30, I get dressed. I come to the church at four o'clock. I I drink one cup of coffee and I come to the church. I read over my message again and I'm saying it out loud. I pray about 15 minutes before I come out and boom, why do I do that? Because the more I say it, the more it gets on the inside of me. Everybody look at me. The more you talk about what God has done in your life, the more faith comes alive in your heart. I mean, tell you, when I get ready to preach, I'm like, I can't wait. I'm so ready. It's not like, I don't know. It's like, this thing is in me. You should do that whether you're a preacher or not. You should, you should say, the word of God's in me. Those testimonies are in me. What Christ has done in my life. Those memorial stones are on the inside of me. And I'm not backing off what God has for my life. Are you with me? Everybody say, remember. Everybody say, rehearse. Psalm 73, 28. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds. I will tell of your deeds. Yeah. Remember? Rehearse. Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about how to position yourself to be revived by God. Remember what Christ has done in your life. Rehearse. Begin to talk about it. Get the dirt out the well. Get the dirt out the well so that water can flow again. Number three, rejoice in the Lord. Remember when Habakkuk started chapter one, he was down. He was concerned. The truth is he was borderline depressed, but watch now. Man, I love this. Man, this is good. Habakkuk chapter three, verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the oil crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there were no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in the God, my Savior. Listen to me. Talk about a perspective change. His heart is going from being down, watch this, to having faith and expectancy. You remember the theme of Habakkuk's Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. What is he saying? God's done it before, God will do it again. I'm remembering that. Now I'm declaring it. God's done it before, God will do it again. God's done it before, God will do it again. And now all of a sudden, watch this, his perspective's changing. And now all of a sudden, he's seeing possibilities. And he's seeing hope for his life. And he's seeing hope for 
for his future. He's seeing hope for Israel. He's seeing 70 years later, they're going to get delivered from captivity and, and, and they're going to come back and build their temple and worship God and the fire of God's going to be in their hearts again. And, he, and, he's, and his heart's happy. His heart's, Pastor Steve, is it possible in this world with all of its problems to live filled with joy? Yes, it is according to the Bible. <sighs> rejoice. To rejoice. To rejoice, it means to, to rejoice. To mean, it means to be refilled with joy. Refilled with joy. Can I tell you, listen, friends, can I tell you the number one reason? The number one reason, I want everybody to hear me. I'm going to say it again. The number one reason why somebody's heart can be hot for God and it can end up cold. The number one reason, it's because we've become more problem conscious than God conscious. We become more focused on our problems and our hurts and our disappointments and our challenges and our circumstances. It's not that those don't exist, but those should be way down here and we should look at God right here. In other words, if we see them from God's perspective, yeah, they're problems, but with God's help, all things are possible. All things are possible. Listen to me. Listen. Don't let the cares of the world take that much place in your heart. Pastor Steve, do you have challenges? Of course I do. But can I tell you something? I'm learning as I'm walking with Jesus. The way to stay fresh in God is to, not, is to be more God conscious than problem conscious. Because these problems have a way of just kind of crawling up my arm. And remember the cares of this life? Remember Jesus talked about it? And they crawl up and, and then they take real estate in my brain and, and, they, and they start just taking too much space right here. And then it goes, and then it goes kind of down my throat and it gets into my heart takes too much space in my heart. It's not that those problems aren't real, but if you keep God conscious and word conscious, God gives you the faith and the power to actually deal with the problems. And you stay fresh in God. Oh, man. I'll close with this last verse. So back at chapter 3, verse 19. And you don't want to miss next week. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss next week. We wrap all this together. But Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19, you're going to love this. The sovereign Lord is my strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. And he enables me to tread upon the heights. I love visiting Israel. And I've been there many times. And for those of you that have never been to Israel, I want to encourage you to go if you have an opportunity and and I, I tell you one of the things that really hit me, one of the first times I, I went to Israel, I didn't realize how mountainous it was. It's very mountainous. Particularly, of course, as you move away from the seacoast and you, and you move inland, it's very... Jerusalem, that's why the Bible always talks about you always go up to Jerusalem. Why? You literally, physically are moving up. And here the prophet, he sees something. And he says something. He writes something and he declares something. He says, I'm going to rejoice in God. Don't miss this. And when I stay filled with God, please don't miss this. When I stay filled with God and filled with God's presence and my heart stays hot and burning for God. Watch this. Just like a deer can go up those rocky places in a mountain pass and it seems like they do it seamlessly. 
In the same way, your life can maneuver through the obstacles in this life. And not like the person that doesn't know God, it doesn't mean that you're not involved, but it means that God carries you in ways that looks like you're going to fall off, but you make it to the top. You make it up there. You make it up there. By the way, many of you know that verse. There was a classic book by that Christian author, Hannah Hernard, and it was Hind's Feet on High Places. How many of y'all remember reading that book? Anybody read that? I read that book 30 years ago. God wants to bring you in tough places and get you up to the top. Be filled with joy. So what have we said today? Number one, remember. Everyone say remember. As we remember what God has done, it positions our hearts to be revived. Yeah. Number two, we rehearse. We talk about it. We declare. If God's done it once, he'll do it again. And number three, we rejoice. We make a decision to be more, watch us, God conscious than problem conscious. And as we do, God brings us up the things that are challenges and we get to the top. We do with God what we could never do by ourselves. Yeah. Did you guys receive that word? Come on. Y'all receive that, all of you campuses? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I sense the presence of the Lord right now. If you do not know Christ, you're not sure about your relationship with God, I'm going to pray for you right now where you are. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me, to make me new. Maybe you've never trusted Christ. Maybe you had a relationship with God, but you've walked away. And this is a moment to rededicate your life to God, whatever it is. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Christ? I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. I'm going to tell you who can. His name is Jesus, and he loves you. And he's not mad at you. He cares about you. But you've got to come to a moment where you trust Christ as your Savior. Do you know Christ? Has the blood of Christ washed you and cleansed you? Have you been born again? Have you surrendered your heart to Christ? With all of our campuses and those that are joining us online right now, just a moment, the count of three, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. And then I'm going to turn it back to the campus pastor. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, I'm gonna, I, I want Pastor Steve for you to pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high? One, two, three, quickly. Lift your hand up high. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you, sir, right there. God loves you, sir. Jesus brought you here tonight, my friend. God bless you right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, ma'am. God loves you. He cares about you. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. God bless you right there and you as well. Anybody else? Pastor, count me in this prayer. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. I was watching you tonight. God loves you, man. He loves you tonight. Church family, let's pray. Let's pray. Can we do that? Let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Right, It's the most important prayer they'll ever pray. Let's say it. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin, and I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Wow, what a powerful message. And hey, 
We never wanna rush through this moment without addressing those of you who are making that decision for the very first time today to give your life to Jesus. Man, we are so excited. Congratulations, because this is the best decision you could ever make. In fact, I want you right now to pull out your phone and go to your calendar, or if you have a physical calendar, circle this date, because it's a day you're not gonna want to forget. This is the day that your brand new life with Jesus begins. You are made new, you're forgiven, you are redeemed into relationship with your Father in heaven, and we are so excited for you. That's right, like Christian said, we are so pumped for you on this new journey, and hey, the greatest news is you do not have to go through this alone. We would love to come alongside you as your church family and walk with you through this journey of following Jesus. And the easiest way that you can let us know you made that decision is to click the link in the chat room, or you can text the word to decision to 822-822, and one of our pastors would love to follow up with you. Absolutely, and hey, like Angel said, we would love to rally around you as your church family. In fact, maybe you made that decision today, but even if you didn't, if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray with you. In fact, we have a team of hosts right now, and if you let them know in the chat room that you would like prayer, they would be honored to be able to take some time to pray with you. But with that being said, we are gonna go ahead and wrap up our time together this week. We love you guys and we can't wait to see you next week. Same time. Same place, have an amazing week.